With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. We're on a Thursday night, buddy. Just watched the Hokies hang on a tight one against VMI. Yeah, uh, that was a lot tighter. (laughs) Closer Um, than the experts thought. Yeah, man. I mean, and after like this huge weekend, pulling off the big win against number three, Following up with a decisive win against UCF, it's like they just came out sleepwalking tonight, like almost into an L. <laughs> almost into an L. Um, yeah. You know, thankfully, they were able to kind of get things together in the last six minutes, get a little bit of a lead there, and then hang on. Um, I'll yeah. say this. As poorly as they shot, this would have been a loss last year. So all okay. things considered – you know, a win's a win is a win, but a, a win is a win. Yeah, the players are going to be probably getting in the locker room right now. <clears throat> the players, because the next game is what not until next Thursday against. Um, I think this is yeah, this is going to be a come back out to the court and let's run some uh, some gassers. <laughs> oh, there's going to be gassers tonight. Tomorrow and Saturday. The game is Tuesday, so they're going to run some lines, boys. We're going to run some lines. Let's pick up the lines. But after the huge win over the weekend, ranked 16th in the country, they're already at four wins. They're matching the football team's total. Hey. Hey. Um, But, you know, team's looking better. Like what you said, game like this last year, they lose. This year, they win. Um, without one of their, you know, out without one of the better players today in, um, oh man, why am I, why am I blanking? Dara? Dara yeah. was out, right? Dara was out. Yeah. Dara was out. Um, and you know, you take a look at, you know, the first couple games like against, against South Florida, you know, Dara had 10 coming off the bench in 16 minutes. And then obviously, you know, against Villanova, you know, with that big win, it's another, it's another thing. He comes off the bench, you know, shot terribly, but having somebody like that come off the bench that you know can get two double digits and provide quality minutes changes the rotation. Well, Well, the big thing is that you get somebody that can take people off the dribble and score in the paint. Yep. um, But also a high quality ball handler. Um, even if he's not out there shooting at a high percentage, having a guy like that on the floor to come in for BD and, th- and things like that when we need to is going to be big for this team where you don't quite see as much of that type of drop off. Even if BD's not necessarily the shooter that uh, that that he'd like to be, he's definitely the the leader on the court there. And having somebody else that can take over some of that responsibility um, when BD heads to the bench is big. It's true. But at least tonight, Jalen got some playing time. I mean, only three points in 14 minutes. But obviously, you know, him coming back, getting him into the rotation, when you don't have another guy that's going to be there, you know, that kind of stinks because Mike Young is still going to have to figure out this rotation once he has everybody healthy, hopefully. But, again, 
win is a win. Yep. And boys don't play until next Tuesday night. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on that game and talking about it next Thursday. But, Brian, let's get into some hokey um, headlines. Let's start with probably the biggest football-wise. The former four-star quarterback, Elite 11 prospect, Quincy Patterson, has gone to the portal. Kind of, kind of, kind of hurts the heart. It hurts the heart, man, big time. Um, you know, we we talk about guys that are like Hokies, in, like through and through, and th- this was one of the guys that we're talking about. Team player waited some time here behind other other guys to get an opportunity, just never came to fruition. Um, wish he would have at least been given situational packages to really show what he could do. Ultimately, that didn't happen, and you know we we uh, we got another good one in in the portal now, which is going to probably be a big topic going oh, yeah. forward, um, especially if things happen um, at the coaching position, or even more so, even if things don't happen at the at, at the top here. So Very it will good. be interesting to see what goes forward and where Quincy ends up landing. Um, wish him nothing but the best, and Absolutely. we'll definitely keep an eye on what he does uh, going forward because, you know, he laid it out there for the Hokies, and, I mean, everything considered, we'll always have that UNC game, man. We'll always have the UNC game. We'll always have the what-if at the Notre Dame game where a perfect plan was laid out for him. He executed it flawlessly that day. Um, but now it's one of those things where, okay, if if – Things are going the way we feel it's going, which we're not going to retain the coach. Well, the next guy, is he going to be a Quincy-type quarterback where he's in the portal? You're still recruiting the guys who are in the portal. Let's not get that twisted, especially a guy who still has three years of eligibility left. So, you know, maybe that's what happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. You know, it's hard to tell at this point. Um, it, It doesn't seem like, this was a, I've got a problem with coach Fuente situation. Um, yeah. It was, it seemed to be very much a, I want to go somewhere where I can be on the field. That That's really the yeah. long and short of it. I know, um, like, I know yeah. I'm not developing. I know there are programs out there that if I walked in, I'd be their best quarterback on their roster and I would start. And, and it's, it's hard for him to get better if he's, you know, fluctuating between second and third string on, you know, a team that didn't have an off season. He's not getting enough reps to get better. No, not at all. I I totally get it from his perspective. Best of luck to him. If he comes back, that'd be great. If not, definitely wherever he goes, keep an eye on him. All right, Brian, big news that dropped today was the, essentially the athletic department cut um, where, you know, like per Andy Bitter, they're looking at, it's going to help them save about 15 million to offset the losses from the pandemic. You know, anybody making over what 115,000 are taking a 10% cut. Anybody making above 40, it's going to be kind of a graduated scale of cuts. There are going to be probably layoffs. Um, but what happened today is people are getting operational costs mixed up with contractual costs. And it yeah. really irritates me. It's been frustrating. Now, I, I'll add a caveat to that. If you're sitting there saying big donors that are chipping in for these contractual obligations are willing to do that, maybe they should be willing to cover whatever budget shortfall. And and I'm I'm like, we still can't even go that route because you got to separate them. And I get optics are bad if you say you've got to, you know, take a, a pay cut, but we're going to pay this guy 10 million just to walk out the door. I get the optics are bad, but at the same time, you're losing money on this thing regardless. Yeah. Because the longer you hang on to coach Fuente, the fewer donor dollars are coming in. The fewer people are showing up to lane stadium, hopefully next year when lane stadium is having fans again, it, it's at, at some point you've just got to say, if you're not if you're not cutting the mustard, you gotta go. Exactly. Because you're costing whatever it costs on the front end to get rid of him, it's gonna be cost on the back end to hang on to him. 
Exactly. A financial analyst will tell you in this situation, you've got to cut him. You're not doing anything but hurting yourself in the three to five year game because as we have slowly started to learn about this payout, we're slowly kind of figuring out kind of through the grapevine and people, you know, saying how these things work. This isn't a one-time $10 million shot. This is over the course of the next four to five years. So let's think about it like that. And, you know, something that was said on Tech Sideline, and me and Brian agree with this 100%, if you don't fire him and the way it looks like, what we're going to talk about playing Clemson today, UVA next week, it was 58,000 was the average seats last year. You lose 5,000 people. It's two to three million dollars in revenue. That right there tells you you've got to fire him for that because if you keep him, you're doing nothing. Where the new coach, there's always usually a bump. Now don't get it twisted. Brian, be a heck of a lot easier if nobody's going to Lane Stadium for me and you to cop tickets for really cheap. <laughs> we're going to Blacksburg this weekend. Oh God, how much were the tickets? Not very expensive. Oh. We're saving us money, honey. Don't worry. Yeah. But we don't want that. We're fans of the program. We want it to a point where we can't find tickets. Like the only way you guarantee the ticket is to get season tickets. So, um, so again, contractual versus operational are two different pools. Does everybody get that? Two different pools. Do not, do not try to say they're one and the same. They're not. Money is allocated differently. Yep. And what they're saying with the donors giving the money for the buyout, they're basically saying we're giving you a clean slate here. Over here, you figure it out. Now, what could potentially happen, Brian, is what could go to the board of visitors and the president and say, hey, we've got some shortfalls here. Is there any way the university could help us out? So we'll, we'll see. That's an option. And, I mean, when we talk about operations budget, we talk about the contractual terms of of our coaches here. We've, we've always got to look at it. From a big-picture perspective, you've got to do what is right for the long-term health of your program. And <laughs> – I get that crunches happen, but crunches are going to happen regardless at some point. You've got to keep moving forward. And, and your your hope is with this is you rebound quick enough for those who have lost jobs, they can get rehired. Yeah. Who have taken significant salary cuts, they can get back where they were. That's what we hope. But let, let's move on, Brian. Actually, some good news. This week, for the Hokie football program. What? Seth Quinn's out of Salem High School, Jordan and Jay McDonald commit to the Hokies program, which is... Twins, Basil. Twins. <laughs> now, they're not the most high guys, but physical-wise, I mean, you couldn't ask for two more kids coming out of high school. I mean, Jay's 6'3", 218. Jordan's like 6'4", 220. You know, physical specimens, some people say, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look at their tape, but, you know, we, we have conversations. People are like, well, they're not dominating like they should. I don't know enough about Salem of what they're running, that maybe they're not allowed to be dominant. But either way, you know, we got two in the door. <laughs> And you kind of wonder, okay, are these going to be committable offers potentially in two weeks? That's the piece that's going to be interesting once whatever happens with the coach situation shakes out. But, you know, we, we get we get a flip here two weeks before, you know, potentially a major shift in the direction of our program happens. Uh, you know, I don't know what to make of that. Um, I yeah. don't know if that if that says as Jordan and Jay are going to be coming to Blacksburg as long as they're a take, regardless of who the coach is. Maybe, you know, um, they figure they might as well say they're a take now before the change happens, because it's easier to, you know, just go ahead and rubber stamp 
the fact that you have a decent class in a transition year than it is to say we don't want you. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, I think there's still going to be some room in the boat, you know, once if, if that regime change happens, because you got to expect probably at least three to four of our more high three guys are probably going to change their 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 uh their direction there. So there's Maybe. probably going to be about five or six spots open for the next coaching staff, even with Jay and Jordan in the boat. It's true. So man. it'll oh. be interesting to see what uh, what they end up doing with that. But I mean, I looked at them a little bit. I mean, they're definitely big guys. I don't think they they're both of them play corner. One of them plays both ways at wide receivers. So, um, you know, they they've got athleticism for their size. I think they project more probably you know, Rover or, uh, or even in some cases, uh, backer okay. uh, versus cornerback that they played in high school. But yeah, I mean, I could see them, them being used. They definitely have, you know, seeing them play corner, they've definitely got enough speed at that size to be a Jay ham system style uh, linebacker compared to some of the guys that we have on the roster right now. So there, yeah. there's some, you know, promise there, but in terms of that, it's, it's very much a, they're two kind of project players, but I think with the, with a year or two kind of getting their bodies right, uh, uh, not size wise, but just defining it and learning how to play with that size better. I think they'll, uh, that, that potentially make some noise. Sure man. I'll say one thing about if there is the regime change as we feel in the air, it's going to happen. If you, if you're the new coach and you walk in, just hold on to who you have. And why I say that is you, you sell to the kids. Hey, listen, you're obviously being recruited at a high level. You have a lot of offers. Just think about this. If we start getting into it this time next year, you don't feel like it's working out. You know what you can do? Transfer portal, go wherever you need to go. We can't hold you back. Yep. You point. So, yeah. Now, Brian, something real quick before we uh, – a couple real quick things before we get into what we're doing this week. ACC Football Week, or this week, has said nine is enough. Notre Dame, you're in the championship. Clemson, if you need to do Tech Saturday, you're in the championship. If you lose, you got to play next week. Miami, you've got to win back-to-back weeks. I'm fine with it. You don't know why? Why's up? If it goes like we think it's going to go, Virginia Tech's going to get a lot more money for those two teams being in the playoffs because Notre Dame won't care. <laughs> it is true, man. It is very true. And uh, I'm fine with it as well. I mean, ACC is making a good play. SEC, uh, they're yeah. pitching about it. Everybody's <laughs> pitching about it. <laughs> which, which is funny. It's like y'all are playing the same number of games. Yeah. Like why are you why are you bitching? <laughs> exactly. They're bitching about it. Upset about it. Well, it's because the ACC just went in and jumped and did it. Like, hmm. The ACC and the ACC is also kind of screwing them for what the SEC did. The ACC, hey, ten games. Our goal is to keep our rivalries. And the SEC's like, no, we're just gonna play in conference. <laughs> we're cool. They're about to get ran because I think we both see probably what could happen couple weeks from now in the ACC championship game. All right, one last thing, Brian, both in near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, Hardywood, the Fighting Hokies logger. The Fighting Hokies logger, man. I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped about this. Looks like it's supposed to come out sometime in the spring of 21. Yeah. Um, I will be copying me several six-packs initially. 100%. What do you what do you think of the uh, the can design? Oh, I love the can design. Say the old school. Yeah, it's the 1980s fighting hokey bird, man. The fighting gobblers. It's it's an awesome can design. It's awesome that essentially Virginia Tech's agriculture department is essentially creating what it's going to taste like. Yeah, and Hollywood's going to brew it here. Um, and let's hope a hey, wit if you're listening. This is what should only be sold. Inside Lane Stadium. Inside. Inside. I N S I D E. Yes. <laughs> For the simple fact of A the cans, B you're helping a, you're helping not only your school because they designed it, you're helping a state 
you know, business that's, you know, one of the more, one of the better ran here and it's here in RVA. So make that. And you're helping your stadium bottom line after having to cut uh, budgets because beer has a higher margin than other things that you sell in your concessions. You're damn right. (laughs) All right, folks, we've gotten here. For the first nine weeks of the season, we have done Know the Enemy. Well, me and Mr. Siegler, we were talking last week after we recorded, and me and him just said, Brian, if anybody doesn't know the enemy of Clemson, they're really not paying attention to any collegiate football. Yep. At this point, you know who these guys are. You've seen them play. You've seen them play in primetime. Um, you know their coaching staff, you know yep. their key players, you know what type of system generally that they run, um, you know what to look for. Um, so we're not going to you know, patronize you and break down a team that you probably have at least a, a working grasp on what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Yep. So while we were sitting here, we were, just, we were hitting around a few ideas like how can we do this, and we kind of – stumbled upon I wouldn't say stumbled but I kind of said hey Brian if we win this game what's the score going to be and Brian told me what he thought here's what we've got to here's the score we've got to have to win and I kind of threw back to Brian I said Brian let's reverse engineer this bad boy let's start with the final score let's go down fourth quarter third quarter second quarter first quarter essentially paint the picture while giving some analysis, giving some breakdown of what has to happen to pull this upset, as now I think it's 22 and a half is the line, yeah. so it's moved up. <laughs> over, th- over three score uh, line here. Um, high, biggest line since, what, 91, 92? Right. I think I've seen thrown around there. So um, 91 down at Florida State, biggest line in Lane Stadium since 88 West Virginia or 89 West Virginia, which I think that's the year they upset. West Virginia was like fifth in the country, and they upset them that year. I'd have to go back. One of those years with major, can't remember last last name, West Virginia was a quarterback. I was a pup, but you study the history. So that's what we're going to do. So, Brian – Drum roll, please, after me and you sitting here going back and forth for about 10 minutes. With Virginia Tech Hokies to win Saturday night, 30 degrees, it's going to be cold, but I still think this number holds true. We believe it has to be 44-41 Virginia Tech. All right. Again, folks, this is the perfect game. This is not our prediction. Yes. Right, this is, so, if we want to win this football game, what's the likely final score? And that's where it so, has. I think it's, I think in order for us to win this game, it's going to be a tight 44-41 victory by the Hokies. All right. So let's start the fourth quarter. And again, this is reverse engineering because we've got to back into, we're, we're kind of starting at the, the, the finished product and how we get there. The first thing me and Brian talked about, okay, Brian, if we're going to the fourth quarter, we have to have a six or seven point lead. So going into the fourth, we're sitting here, we're going back and forth. We feel like it's got to be 37-31 going into the fourth quarter. Yep. Start of the fourth quarter, we're up a touchdown. We'll just just under a touchdown. Uh, Six point lead, 37-31. Yeah, that, that feels... That, that's about as close as I feel like we could get there. Um, yeah. I, I think the fourth quarter is going to be relatively low scoring, us trying to hang on at that point, and yep. Clemson trying to knock us out late. Exactly. So they're, throwing, they're, they're trying to throw some haymakers while we're trying to have some long possessions. Yeah. A couple things we we hit on and what we feel like if we've got that lead and we've got that six, seven-point lead, to win the fourth quarter, five possessions. If we start creeping into six, seven, and eight, they will overtake us. Yep. At I, that point, you know, the the Trevor Lawrence's and the Travis Etienne's of the world are going to let their talent take over, and 
it could be ugly. We need to limit the number of possessions in that quarter, only give them a few chances to score, two at the most. We we also feel like to win this quarter, we need to have at least one five-minute-plus drive. We need to at least eat a third, whether this results in a touchdown, fourth down, we give it back to them, but we're deep, or we pooch punt. We've got to have at least one time-eating drive. Now, Brian, a couple big things you talked about to me was personnel groupings in this last quarter and what you want to see, what you feel like we have to see to win this game. Yeah, I think in the in the fourth quarter, you're going to see a lot of uh, 11 and 12 personnel. I think we're going to lean on the running game some, but we're still going to try to get that intermediate passing game going to move those sticks a little bit because we're going to need to – sustain drives, keep Clemson off the field, and eat as much clock as possible. Now, the other piece was we we can't have any turnovers. With a one-point lead, again, with their offense, this has got to be a quarter where we have to play protection of the football. Um, And then there's the other piece that this is also a quarter, as you guys are going to see, this is a quarter we can't give up chunk plays. No. You know, you want to talk about getting to five, keeping it at five possessions. If they get a chunk play, 40, 50 yards, flip field, get a touchdown, that would fall apart this quarter perfectly. Um, Brian, what's the one thing we've not been good at that you feel if in the third, fourth quarter we can do, we have a chance to hang on? If we can convert on third down, we have a chance here in the fourth quarter to close it out. And we haven't done it well all season and we definitely have not done it well recently but if we can do that that gives our offense more time on the field keeps their offense off the field and gives our defense a chance to rest to be able to go out there when uh when Clemson's offense does take the field back and uh you know have enough energy to to slow them down so yeah all feeds off there and I think also I mean just to kind of Put a, put a bow on this uh, this quarter. Our defense probably needs to force one turnover. Yep. Yep. It's it's true. If you if we if we force the turnover again after a long drive, again if y'all listen, what we're about to give you here, we gave you the final score. We're anticipating them scoring several times in this quarter. But if you get the turnover involved in there, yep. That's they get three possessions, you get a, a field goal, a touchdown, and a turnover. As long as you score once in there, you're golden. You're golden, exactly. All right, so there's your fourth quarter, if it's perfect. Now, let's go to the third quarter. Um, And, again, we're starting beginning of the quarter, what the score is, getting into it. Um, Brian, go ahead and give the tease first. Yeah, all right. So we need to be kicking off to start the third quarter because we need to take the damn ball to start the game. So that's I'm I'm teasing that we need to be aggressive with our decisions in this game, both from a coaching perspective and a play calling perspective. Um, So we need we need to take the ball. And so if we took the ball to start the game, that means we should be kicking off to start the third quarter. And we said we thought. You know, 24-17 to start the third quarter sounds about right. Yep, 24-17. Again, we're having to hold the lead. I yep. think at any point in time in this game, this cannot be 2016 in the ACC championship. We're not that kind of team with the kind of players or the kind of defense that can hold, you know, the downhill stuff. So, you know, if, if if you tell us, well, we went down early a lot, then the perfect game's out of the way, so we can't do it. But if we can get the lead, it's big. Now, on this one, there is a couple things we're going to hit on. First, this is where it kind of begins. This is the quarter where the defense has to start really kind of more tightening up. One play of 40 or more yards. We've already said in the fourth quarter, you can't give up any. This quarter, you can't give up but one. Now, the other piece is 
and you're going to see what we're talking about in the first half. We have to get a little less aggressive on defense. Start playing off. Again, with the lead, let the clock be their enemy. Yep. We've already we've already kind of outlined here. We're anticipating them scoring two times, 14 points in this quarter. The thing is, make them work towards that. Make, make them work towards that. We've also shown at this point both teams are scoring on offense. So as long as we can – not have those killer drives or we, we don't, uh, you know, match them, I think we're going to be okay there. Um, I think offensively we're going to need to get Blackshear involved in the passing game. In the second and that means And that means from the slot position or from the wing position, not as a spellback. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think at this point Blackshear is capable in that role, but he is not that should not be his defined role in this offense. I think Holston does a better job yep. as a true spellback to Khalil Herbert. I think Blackshear is more of a true gadget Swiss army knife offensive weapon. We haven't been using him as such this entire season. Pretty much. We need to begin right now. If, if anybody has any plays that can get this man, the football in space, they need to throw them at Clemson. Throw them at Clemson, put them on the spreadsheet in a lot of different places. So when we <laughs> but especially up, in the third quarter. Jesus, especially <laughs> in the third quarter. Now, Ron's already mentioned that he's wanting to see in the fourth quarter a lot of 11 and 12 personnel. Also in this quarter, Brian's calling for a lot of 11 personnel. So we're going to see very little of Gallo. I, now, I want Blackshear and Herbert or Holston on the field every all time. The time. Essentially, Blackshear needs to be out there. Um, yep. along with whatever other uh, wide receiver grouping, along with Mitchell. Now, something else we sort of felt on this quarter is this is probably going to be the quarter where because you played so well the first two quarters, you could handle an onslaught. We, we feel like this is where if they were to come out and go bang, bang, take the lead, we kick a couple field goals, it's not out. The mindset yep. – we're, we're with them. We're taking their best punches. And one of those momentum swinging things we feel that really needs to happen is sometime late in the third quarter, retake the lead. Yeah. After taking a couple haymakers to the face and got knocked down, take getting back the lead late in this quarter and essentially them starting the ball going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, essentially it's saying – We've had the lead because of how we jumped out on you. You were able to counterpunch a little bit, and we've shown that we're not backing down. We're right back at it. And th- that's that's the tone we want to set moving from third back into the fourth. So that I feel like that's what that's what we need to close out the third would be a touchdown to retake the lead heading into the fourth quarter. Absolutely. All right, so back up again. Let's get into the second quarter. Now – some people listening to this are probably like, what were you guys on when y'all came up with this concept? <laughs> well, the thing is, it, we felt like we needed to do something different. And when you're going backwards, it's easy to see because if it's late, you guys will probably remember. Well, they said if it's late, you know, limit possessions. This is why it's a lot of fun because there's things we're looking at to say, this is how we get here. And you've yep. got to go backwards. So second quarter – this is the one where we kind of argued a little bit and we kind of said this. If we can go into the second quarter with a 14-7 lead, if we can hold mighty Clemson to one touchdown in the first quarter, it's going to be really big. Now, we aren't unrealistic, though. This is going to be a quarter, five, six, maybe even seven possessions. Because um, obviously we've already told y'all we're at 24 they're at 17, so we're seeing a couple possessions where we feel like can be scored in here. And, guys, what we're, what we're trying to talk about here with the possessions is that to win this game, even with the high-scoring affair we kind of have it as, we still need to limit the possessions. The more possessions in this game, the worse it will be for us. Much worse it will be for us. They have the kind of offense that the more chances you get them, the more likely you're going to play. Yep. And that's why we're kind of harping on this. Now, we've talked about chunk plays, right? Y'all heard yep. us say 
can't have any in the fourth, can give up a minimum. Me and Brian, this is the one, this is the quarter we're expecting. You can give up three or more big plays, um, but you can't let all, you can't let three go for a touchdown. You got to let them go deep, but you got to stop them. Yeah, I mean, you got to let them go deep, but only one of those big chunk plays can go for a touchdown. Otherwise, you need to stop them where they kick a field goal to get to their, their 10 points for the quarter or force a turnover or a punt on those or, other possessions. Indeed. We know Dabo will. 35-yard line, he's liable to tr- – fourth and five, he's liable to go for it. Yeah. Getting those stops. Now, yeah, turnover Brian, now. Let's, let's mention this. Offensively, this is a quarter where you – you're looking to you look that we need to open up a couple of things. Yeah, I think we for our, our offense, I'd like to see us run a lot of RPO and screen um, in this quarter. Um, I'd like to see anything that's not a screen pass be targeting kind of the the 15 to 20 yard range, maybe even more than that, stretching their their defense a little bit. I'd like to see some fades, some posts, some seams. Push the ball. You push the ball. We This should be the push the ball period. And, and because we're running it with RPO, that should slow down the rush a little bit. And it should also help the running game um, you know, get some fits there because they're having to think about the run in the pass uh, on, on each play there. So that's what I would do in, in, in an attack standpoint there. Um, defensively, I think this is where you, you blitz heavy. You make Trevor Lawrence have to think faster than he wants to or take a sack. Absolutely. Where, if y'all notice, we talked about in the first, in the latter half of the game, it's almost like we're not going to be as aggressive. Here's where we need to be aggressive. Because if we have that lead, it's essentially what Brian just said. Make them have to speed up their decision making. And you know what? We've already kind of accounted for. We're going to get deep, deep this quarter. But at least what you can hopefully do is, you get a sack. They had a 35-yard game. Well, you know what? It was second and 16 because we had a huge sack. They did not gain big gain, but not as much as it could be. Now, something else, Brian, and I'm going to kind of reference to you on this. You you kind of mentioned if we can get in this quarter with a lead about managing our emotions. What what do you mean by that? Um, elaborate a little more. So there's a difference between – that momentum feel and in a feel where you're playing over your skis a little bit. Um, you know, I, I've been in games where you jump out to a big lead and a lot of things go your way and you take your eye off the ball and all of a sudden things are not so pretty anymore. We've seen some of those games from the Hokies. Yeah. I mean, just, we held, uh, let's think about even last year. I mean, the Miami game, that's one where, Ooh. Yeah, we, we, we let a team that had the ability to get back, crawl back in a game that we should have put away a lot sooner because we let, we didn't manage our emotions very well. Damn and you I feel like that, yeah. Yeah. Damn yeah. You got to be able to manage your emotions. So in this case, what I mean is that you've taken some haymakers from, from Clemson, but your own defense to close the half. They've got the ball. Don't give them a lead going into halftime. Don't do something dumb. Third down, yeah. make the stop. Don't throw a late hit. You know, if the guy's beating you, by all means, in some cases, let him let it let him show he can beat you. Don't just yeah. grab give the pass interference because you're extending the drives, you're giving them more time. All right. So we finally backed it all the way up to the first quarter. All the way up to the first quarter. Brian has alluded to it, and I have a feeling, Brian, if we don't do this in the first quarter, actually even before the quarter begins, that ham you've got in your hand, that ham's beer you have in your hand, I hope you're nowhere near your TV. (laughs) Yeah, we better take the damn ball if we win the toss. If we don't, I will go ahead and say the game is over at that moment. <laughs> the perfect game plan is already out of the window. Yeah. 
Ocho Wente, we're going to defer the second half. You're going to give that the ball first? Yeah. That? No. Guys, we don't want this momentum. You have it. <laughs> we have right. we have nothing to do with this. All right. So the next piece in the first half is similar to our fourth quarter, but for a different reason. Who we are as a team is we are still a ground and pound type team. We have a very good offensive line. It'll probably be the second best that Clemson has seen off year. Maybe the best. You can argue between us and Notre Dame. Both are very highly rated in PFF. But this possession quarter has got to be about five. It's got to be a low possession quarter. What Brian has already stated, take the ball, long drive. Let me me get a 12, 13 play drive here. Um, Give me a lot of runs. Give me some intermediate passes. Give me 12 personnel. We haven't talked about that a lot lately. I've been thinking more 11 as we go along here, spreading them out a little bit. But out the gate, I'd like to see some 12 um, using that run game, the intermediate passing game, some of those uh, tight end throwbacks and stuff like that to get get some plays, to get us some first downs, some stick-moving plays. Um, at, you know, We're at the point where we want to make make the drive long and get seven points. Don't settle for three at this point. So, so, so what Brian's also saying is if we're inside the 30, third and six, it better be a two-play thought because you're not going to beat them with field goals all night. Do I if, you run the, if you run QB power on third down, you better be prepared to run on fourth down as well. Or, Brian's gonna drive or do something on fourth down. You better go for it. Better Don't go run third down power on third long and and not go forward on fourth. Now I, I will I will throw things at the television. I so, have no qualms. Well, back <laughs> deck over the grills. All right, there you go. big key and especially the first half is we have to in some way slow them down, whether it be turnover, forcing a punt, turnover on downs. Their first drive cannot result in points. I think I'll, I'll feel eh, if their first drive, you know, goes into points. If the first drive goes into points and the next two, they get nothing. Okay. I can deal with that. We can live with it, but we're I, saying, I, I, yeah, I want to take a two score lead. I want to be up 14, nothing on them and make them have to do something different. Cause then we, then we're dictating terms. We're making them have to come up with stuff on the fly. And, as much as some stuff on the fly, you haven't practiced it. Neither have they. So, yep, there we have it. Something else Brian mentioned is we need to see Juice Herbert early get two twenty-plus yard gains on outside zone plays. Again, establishing the run is kind of what we flip. What we want to do in the second quarter is we what we want to do in the third quarter. Um, but then Brian. What we kind of said in the second quarter, when we were when we were reverse doing this, you said it has to come out like this with the defense. Yeah, yeah, I want to see them aggressive. I mean, I want to see them blitzing. I want to see them playing a little bit more man outside and just kind of saying, "We're not going to let you run the ball with Etn all day, Trevor. You're going to have to take a couple shots and you're going to going to have to hit them. Make them hit them. Don't." don't let this be a death by a thousand little paper cuts. Cause I mean, they will carve us up with six and eight yard runs and eight to 12 yard passes all day. Don't let that happen. That's not a game I want to see. That's a game that I will just be frustrated from start to finish. If I'm seeing that on the defense all day. So, I, you know, I know we're playing a different style now, but we need some aggression against this team because they will carve you up. They have all the talent in the world. They have the best quarterback in the country. They have the best running back in the country. They have a very good offensive line between Rodgers and Powell and other weapons. They can do it all. Yeah. So, you know, the other last piece is we expect probably a chunk play, a couple chunk plays in this quarter, but only one can go deep for a touchdown. If multiple, if you y'all in the first quarter, they pop a 50 yard run and a 50 yard pass. Um, slow the drinking down because by the end of the game, you'll be really angry. 
Yep. Because it ain't gonna get pretty. Um, so that's our reverse engineering. For the Hokies to win 44-41, we just laid out from the fourth quarter back down to the first what has to happen. There are times we need to be aggressive. There are times we need to be, you know, sort of passive on defense. And the same with offense. It's got to be a mixture. Um, yeah, I feel like we need to be aggressive early and a little more bend, don't break late. Because yeah. as the game goes along, we can afford field goals. We can't afford touchdowns. Absolutely. All right. So after all that, Brian – Let's go to our predictions before we talk about who gets to 25. Um, as much as I want to see a perfect game plan right now with the way the coaching staff is, having some guys opt out, I, I, I just can't. I, I can't see it. Um, I think we'll be competitive. I don't think we'll get our doors blown off. I don't think you know it's going to be 35-3 at halftime. I think they probably – get up a couple scores early and they maintain that um, at 20. I would say lay the points because I feel like this is a 21 point game, but at 22 and a half, that's where it's getting sketchy. Um, Cause my prediction is I'm going to say Clemson goes 45. Virginia tech goes 20. Okay. You're about in the same range I am. I've got Clemson, 45, Virginia Tech, 21. All right. Um, but I also see Clemson probably the, – the, the fourth quarter is probably going to be where they get – I think they'll probably get 14 points. I think it'll probably be something where, like, It'll be like 31-17, somewhere in that neighborhood, two-score game. And then eventually we run out of gas. Brad doesn't know how to call any decent plays to help the team out. He's just running, pinned into a wall of, you know, nine guys in the box. Or he's trying to take deep shots downfield for no apparent reason. Somebody needs to tell um, Brad that, just because you gain an extra blocker with a QB power, if they're already stacking the box, that doesn't help you. Well, no, because it's still – if they're stacking the <laughs> box eight, it's eight to eight, which means Hendon has to find the hole. And if people are getting off blocks, it's not good. Yeah, um, and, that, and then that's not even counting safety fills. <laughs> Maybe they can just screw those up a bunch this week. <laughs> um, Dak's getting the 25. I'm no issue with that. I, I was hoping to see somebody like Raheem this week get it, but you know, Dax played. Dax has played well over the last few weeks, so Dax has played his best football as as we've gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't think there's a correlation there. I'm just, you know, there's there, you know, just because that's happened doesn't mean that that's the cause. But Dax has played pretty well as we've been more inconsistent on both sides of the football the last few weeks. So um, cool that Dax got it. I don't know what that, what that really means in terms of his play or, or, or looking forward, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think he, as much as anybody on the defense the last few weeks probably deserves to get it. So, yeah. All right. Well, now let's go to our picks against the spread. We're going to do four ACC games, and we are going to do four out-of-conference games with a little bit of a twist. So, Brian, let's start with the uh, the biggest line we're looking at this week. Syracuse versus the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is laying 33.5 points. Um, Brian, I'll let you lead since I sort of – Got it up with the Clemson game. You led with our predictions, so I'll I'll lead with the first of the uh the spread games here. Uh give me the Irish, man. Okay. I still can't trust Syracuse and I know the uh Notre Dame's either been world beaters or it's been close. At least closer than, than they wanted to be, but I think this is one where Notre Dame is is focused. Um Kind of looking forward here, so I'll take the Irish. 
We'll take the Irish. Lane, 33 and a half points. I'm going completely against you, I think, after the announcement this week <laughs> of that they're in the ACC championship we game. We set. We good. <laughs> I think they're going to win by like 27 or 30. So I'm going to be flirting, going with 33 and a half. But I think eventually they'll take it off because it's going to eventually get to a point where that game's going to be 35-7. 35-10, and Brian Kelly's going to have to sit there and say, we have to play Clemson again. We have to play Clemson yeah. whatever. I need everybody as healthy as possible. I'm going to put in a bunch of backups, and you know what? If the backups beat me, Brian, the backups beat me. Give me Syracuse. Give me the 33 and a half points. Yeah, I think it's going to be 35 before the starters come out, so that's <laughs> – <laughs> You might be right, but I'm I'm, I'm going to saw a conservative game. All right, next game, BC UVA. UVA is laying four and a half points. UVA the last few weeks has been good to me when I've taken them. I'm trying to figure out why they're getting four and a half points. I know BC doesn't have the best defense. But the Wahoos aren't a world-beating offense. The Wahoos' defense is hurting more and more. Their back end was already struggling. Snowden goes out. Briggs transfers. Now their pass rush is significantly less. So somebody tell me why BC is getting points. I think BC outright wins this game. Give me BC. Here, here, BC. That's I, it. I, I just, I just like BC better than UVA, man. Um, I, I think they're a better football team. They have a little bit more balance. The only thing they don't have is a running game. Um, UVA has been so inconsistent, and now they're starting to see the injury slash transfer bug hit their defense, and that's the one thing that was kind of holding everything together up to this point. So I'm going to take BC. All right. Hey, Brian. It's your favorite team next. Georgia Tech, NC State, NC State laying seven points. What are you doing? NC State. <laughs> Just because it's Georgia Tech. I can't with pick you. with Georgia Tech the rest of the way. It's, it's, it's been ordained. They have screwed Brian so many times in so many different ways. It's not even funny. I'm with you. Um, NC State. Georgia Tech probably played their best game of the year last week against Duke. Where NC State, um, that was probably maybe their second worst game of the year with the win over Syracuse. I would say their other worst game of the year was probably against us. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on the NC State. All right, Duke, Miami. Miami lane 15. I'm going to get Miami here because okay. what the ACC did this week is kind of crapped all over them like – Clemson's not going to lose this game. So you guys can go over there. They're going to get a good bowl. They're probably going to get either the Orange Bowl in their hometown, mm-hmm. uh, potentially the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Going to get some extra money because they're going to wind up, you know, 8-1, and 9-1 for the year. Um, and I think they're just going to put the beat down on Duke, just take out some aggression. Yeah, I mean – I feel like as we're kind of winding down here, you got Miami that is essentially the looking at being the best non Clemson Notre Dame squad in the, in the conference. Where we um, hope, what's that? Where we'd hope we'd be. Yes, exactly. Um, and you've got Duke that really isn't playing for much at this point. So, you know, I, I kind of like Miami to go ahead and finish the job they've started here. And, um, you know, walk walk into one of the more favorable bowl games that's still being played. Yes, sir. All right, Brian. I told you I had some interesting stuff with the other games we were going to pick, right? Yep. All right, let's do this one. Billy Napier and usually the University of Louisiana Lafayette taking on App State. App State laying three. Napier is a guy we have mentioned as a potential replacement. Um, and 
Napier's lost one game this year. He already lost two games last year. Absolutely on a roll. But going into Boone, it's going to be cold. Um, I'm not sure how the snow looks down there. I'm not sure what time this game is. But App State laying three. What do you think? Oh, man. Like you said, call him Butter. He's been on a roll. So I'm going to take the uh, Raging Cajuns. All right. Well, I'm going to go against him because he's interviewing Saturday. And if he's inter- or he's interviewing over the weekend, I think the focus isn't going to be there. I think it's probably going to be a good game. I think they lose by a touchdown because of the way the weather is looking down in Boone and kind of on the East Coast in general. It's going to be cold. It's going to be yucky. Give me App State. No, indi- no indicative against Billy. If you tell me Billy in two-week time is our head coach, I would be happy. I think he's done a hell of a job down at um, UL Lafayette with the Raging Cajuns. I think his footprint fence here. And, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, my, my only beef with, with Napier is that it would be a similar hire to to Fuente. But, I mean, other than that, he's got he's got a more regional footprint already than Fuente had coming in um, to a point. So True, but Fuente had worked for Gary Patterson, essentially his yep. career. Napier's worked for Dabo early on. He got fired by Dabo. Then he went to work for Saban. There's your biggest differences. He's been around essentially the two guys who over the last decade has dominated the sport. Yeah. So I, I think I'll go there. He's, he's right. been more, more adjacent to greatness. Exactly. <laughs> right, uh, next one. Let's go down. Coastal BYU. Jim Chadwell. Mm-hmm. Another guy we've mentioned as a potential – new head coach BYU traveling cross country, just figuring they're going to play this game a couple days ago is a 10 point favorite down at coastal. So Brian, do you believe in the Cougars and Mr. Wilson or do you believe short time for fair cross country travel that they're not going to do it or they're going to do it, but 10 is way too much delay. Ten's uh, definitely too much delay for me, all things considered. I, I could see Coastal even winning this one outright. I'm not sure how good BYU is based on who they played and some other factors. Combine that with all this short-term stuff and cross-country travel, that's definitely should be Coastal's to, to, to take there. I could see BYU pulling it out, but I don't like Ten. All right, I'm with you. I don't like the 10 number. I think the 10 number is way too big. I think Coastal's a, a very good team. I think Chadwell's in a very good position. And I'm going to say something. If Chadwell wins this game, does South Carolina hold off on making their hire for a couple more weeks? I think that all depends on how well that Napier interview goes over the weekend. Um, I do think Chadwell's moving up somewhere. Um, you know, within the next year, if he stays at Coastal after this offseason, they have another good season. Chad Wells is good as gone. Um, you know, you, you kind of start looking around and kind of wonder, could it be Duke? Could it be an SEC program? But I don't think he's going to be there too much longer. All right. Okay. Brian, let's go to essentially the best game of the weekend. Um, Indiana, Wisconsin, Wisconsin is laying 14 and a half. I'm still trying to figure out why they're laying 14 and a half. Indiana went to the horseshoe, fought back valiantly against the Buckeyes, beat them by seven. Wisconsin still, you know, they scored seven points on Northwestern. Northwestern loses to Michigan State here a couple last weekend. Wisconsin, maybe they're getting out of their COVID funk, but 14 and a half the way Indiana's playing. Um, and, you know, hold on, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm just seeing something here I didn't know about. Wait a minute, Brian. Sorry, live on air, guys. Efforting. Ah, ah, take that back. Give me Wisconsin. Phoenix towards ACL. Indiana has no shot in this game. 
I'll take the same, man. Give right. me a give me a double shot. <laughs> well, whiskey. No, knowing that whiskey. Yeah, that was three days ago. I'm glad I looked that up because that was really funky when you see how's a team this good getting 14 and a half against a team that's played. Eh, best player goes out, you understand why. All right, Brian. Last game we're going to look out of here, out of conference. Are you shocked I waited on this one till last? I am not shocked you waited on this one till last. Baylor, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Chain train. Chain train, Oklahoma laying 22. Um, obviously, Shane had some interviews. Bob Stoops had to come in and help out a little bit with Lincoln this week. Um, what do you think, Brian? 22 too much blood or is Lincoln finally got them humming where they're going to just blow the doors off Baylor? You know, if if it hadn't been for some of the problems they were having this week, I'd say Oklahoma probably does go with the 22. But with having different coaches coming in, even one is well-versed in uh, in winning is Bob Stoops. I still think some of that might throw them off just a hair. It's going to be probably three scores, but I think it's going to be somewhere 17 to 21 and not 22. So the 22 is about a point. Too rich for my blood here. I'm with you, man. Baylor's been in every game they've played this year. Um, and it just – everything doesn't seem right with Lincoln quite yet. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to both take Baylor. I'm going to tell you what's probably going to happen. We're going to be sitting at 17, early fourth quarter. Baylor's going to punt, and they're going to house a punt. Chain train. Chain train. <laughs> Hey, that's better than a meaningless uh, two-point conversion that completely broke the NFL. <laughs> what did I miss? The, the six and a half and uh, going oh, for two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't miss it. I just I put it out of my mind. So, you know. So I, I, went, I went a little uh, – a little, little further back in history than Curtis was ready for there. <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Brian, um, you smoking anything for the uh, 7.30 kick Saturday night? Yeah, I'm probably going to do a couple a uh, couple pork loins, um, tenderloins. So nothing. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick cook. Um, probably going to be more, more searing them off than smoking them necessarily. So that's yeah. what I've got planned. Pork tenderloin on the grill are so money. Such yep. a different taste than, you know, throwing them in an oven or even smoking them. I but usually I, marinate mine and then do – I'll put them on there and just rotate them every, every two minutes until I get the right internal temperature, and then I'll pull them off. All right. Anything else breaking, Brian, late? You know, any, any coaching hires, anything disgusting? <laughs> I'm not seeing anything jumping out at me, but – you know, I could have missed something. So if you see something, I'm, I'm, um, throw oh, it at me. Naquan Brown decommitted today from LSU. Um, decommitted, eh? Decommitted. <laughs> <laughs> Which you don't know. You, you, we, we can speculate all we want if it is a true decommitment or they told him his offer wasn't good anymore. Um Either way, you, you, you almost feel for a kid. Or maybe he actually saw, wait a minute, what is LSU doing this year? Oh, no, no, I'm good, man. I'd, I'd rather go look elsewhere. You're also having kids this year. They're starting to get their first semester grades. And if the grades ain't quite right. So it could be a number of different things why he's made this move. Best of luck to that young man. He is a talented guy. And – for any Hokie fan that says, no, I don't want him, bullshit. Bullshit. Yep. Take that kid in a heartbeat. Um, I mean, even if even if you think he's a project, I, at this point, in-state is where you want to look at projects, not guys that are coming from far away. If you're getting some guys from far away, you want them to be able to, within their first year or two on campus, be steady contributors. 
A hundred percent. Well, buddy, if you've got nothing else, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies.